0: plushcare.com slash
1: you know i've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast my friends at eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies
2: Welcome to the Avid Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Hart, CEO and founder of Avid, Unleashing Your Potential. Today on the show, I have Gary Osvichan, Portfolio Lead for Biscuits North America at Mondelez, talking today about Honeymade and their recent campaign. Gary, thanks for sitting down with me today. Um, you won an Effie for Honeymade. This is Wholesome. Um, tell me a little bit about the inspiration behind that campaign.
3: You know, Honeymade's a really terrific brand that I'm proud to to be a part of the team that that has work that's been recognized by the Effies. Um, the inspiration was very much born out of a desire to be relevant to to today's families. Um, you know, we looked at the brand's lifespan over the last 90 years, and a key part of the brand history was a sense of wholesomeness. Um, and 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 regardless of how we showed up over those nine decades, the common thread was one of wholesomeness, both from the creative executions over those decades, as well as the product offering. We've always been a very simple graham cracker um, that has been in, in millions of American homes. Um, and as we kind of looked at the brand and how we could bring it forward, going back to that history and and, and honing in on, on wholesome was a true inspiration for us. It, it unlocked the award-winning work that we're talking about today.
2: Great. So
3: understanding that core, uh,
2: very important. Were there any other decisions that you had to make, pivotal decisions that you had to make to bring that campaign to life?
3: You know, we had a very much understand um, our consumer of today and who we were going to be speaking to. We had to to think about the changes in the product that we've made in recent years and what we wanted to talk about from a product standpoint. And we had to think about how we were going to reinvent the brand and what it meant to our target consumers. So um, there were a lot of decisions. You had to really think about it and then we had to think about it in, in context of culture today and what was going on. Um, And I'd say, uh, you know, partnering with Droga 5, who is our agency on on this business, um, we have a tremendous partnership with them. And together we very much came, um, you know, to um, decisions um, that showed up in a wonderful way in the creative that we put into the world. I'd say those key decisions were, um, you know, choosing to focus in on, you know, Parents of, of kids, um, you know, 2 to 12, um, who lead a very um, active lifestyle and are part of the, the, the multicultural fabric of America today. That meant choosing to, you know, potentially, you know, um, leave behind, if you will, some consumers who are our core. Those are always difficult decisions, but we were reinventing the brand for the consumer of today and of tomorrow. Um, as a 90-year-old brand, it's very important, I feel, to to uh, think about what the next 10 years are going to look like for the brand, and that was the journey we are on. So I'd say that was probably one of the critical decisions. As Part of that, from a product standpoint, too, we focused in so much over the years on just our s'mores occasion or on some basic recipe usage, and we get a lot of usage from that. But we were moving forward in terms of launching products like made Grahamfuls, Bringing the Teddy Grahams portfolio under Honey and showing up in, in a new way from a product standpoint to parents as well. So changing the consumer target as well as recognizing that we were going to bring forward a product portfolio that was different than before were were big decisions.
2: What were the? I, I know those were difficult decisions. Were there any aspects that you know made them more difficult? You know, it, yeah, talk to a lot of marketers. Too. Sometimes it's. Yeah. You know, getting the organization behind the idea. Sometimes it might be investment questions. You know, how much are we going to put behind this?
3: Absolutely. I'd say that, you know, as, as you see in the creative, I mean, we, we touched upon very relevant conversations in culture today um, as we celebrated wholesome family connections with Honeymaid. Um As part of, you know, getting that into the world, um, we had decisions that were, were um, ones that required conversation internally. Um, and and we wanted to put the brand out um, in a way that is meaningful and resonates with consumers. So we had to decide, you know, on the breadth of families we were including, and I think we did a a terrific job in representing a breadth of the diversity that exists in America. We're for all families and celebrate wholesome family connections of all families, but that meant putting forth a gay family along with a biracial family, a Hispanic single dad, um, a lot of touchy subjects in many ways. We weren't putting forth um, the um, sort of persona of you know, what a family historically has looked like. We were putting forth a real American family of today and the picture of it, and we we set out with five real families. These weren't actors. These are real American families, and we put them out um, all at once during launch over a year ago now. But those were, you know, tough decisions for a brand. Um, I'm not going to... Present myself as saying that they weren't. Um, I'd say organizationally, um, we as a company, Mondelez International, um, very much represents um, within our brands and wants to represent our brands to the consumers of today. Um, And HoneyMade took a big leap forward doing that.
2: Great, great. Is is there anything, any advice you'd give to other marketers kind of faced with the similar types of? scenario, it may not be exactly like yours, but that would help resolve those organizational, you know, churn or just conflict, not conflict, but just getting over the hurdle of making that decision, you know, whether it's something that you would say you would do just organizationally something, you know, tools or research that you think was important in fueling the decision, or is it just making a leap of faith?
3: You know, I'd say honestly, I mean, my advice is, and I've told this to many people, is if a graham cracker can represent what America looks like today, I think other brands can. I'm thrilled to have championed the Honeymaid's This Is Wholesome campaign and and gained the organizational alignment behind the idea. It takes a leader um, and a strong team around you um, and preparation to make something like that successful when it comes with risk and you have to be prepared, you have to be willing to champion the idea and and engage the right partners at the right time internally to ensure the integrity of the idea um, shows up. Um, And and you've got to be willing to do that. I think it was was a bold move on the part of of us um, to do this with with an iconic American brand. honeymaid has been in households for 90 years. Um, but we knew it was the right thing to do. And I think it was collective judgment and joint effort um, internally and with the agency that got us to put it out into market. And the interesting thing um, as well, I mean, I think it always comes back to me when when you're creating any idea and certainly when you're putting a bold idea out into the world. Bold is a touchy word. Bold can mean not grounded in in, in fact or, or or grounded period sometimes. Um and, and creative for creative sake. That that's not what the honeymaid story is. Honeymaid was bold and provocative in terms of what it put into the world, but it was rooted in, in in nine decades of wholesomeness, it was rooted in product truth in terms of being a product portfolio that has whole grains and no high fructose corn syrup, and it was rooted in wanting to truly represent um, the consumers whom we already have in our portfolio and those whom we'd like to introduce the HoneyMade brand to. Great point, great
2: point. Um, so you've already mentioned this a little bit already I, there's a team obviously behind this effort how did that team come together and and what can you say about you know the collaboration of internal and external folks
3: You know, I'd say my experience in in working with agencies um, really came to bear in this particular campaign because we were down a path where we wanted to speak to parents, and we'd been speaking to parents and and kids for a couple of years, and we were trying to make the campaign that we were using for a couple of years work, and we just didn't like it. We didn't think it was good. You know, you have the thoughts about get rid of your agency, throw out the strategy, rethink it all. And I think the trust and respect that we internally have with our agency, Droga 5, um, and the joint desire to make a great brand again, um, led us to say, no, we're not doing any of that. What we're going to do is together take a deep, hard look at our strategy um, and understand if it's right fix what's wrong, and, and regroup. And honestly, that led us to amazing work. The willingness to throw away work that we were working on and say it's not good enough was a big step. And we did that in, in, in context of true respect for each other and honest conversations, agency and client. There's
2: a, there's a ton of nuggets to take away from that. That's a, that's a great, great thought. Um, and Maybe. especially go, going deep and almost the courage to be partners.
3: Correct. I, I, and that's what we are. I mean, I think that we as a team, whether it's, uh, you know, all the folks you think about internally, um, as well as the agency who whom touch anything that goes out in our world, um, you've got to feel like you are a team and bond and build things together and respect each other and put the opinions out versus hold them in. Um, and I think we as a team on HoneyMade collectively have done that. The other key piece, I'd say, from a, from a decision standpoint was we very much were grounded in truths about the product, the brand, truths about culture, our consumers. Um, and, and because we were so grounded, we used our judgments. And judgment and intuition was huge here. It wasn't about testing. I've said before, this campaign wasn't tested. We didn't do the traditional qualitative testing, and we certainly didn't do quantitative testing. And we focused in on, on, on a lot of smart people around the table and saying what's the right thing to do. Great,
2: great. So winning an EFI is about marketing effectiveness, so I'd love to get your definition
3: for what marketing
2: effectiveness is. <laughs>
3: Yes. Yeah, i say it's funny because we immediately go, effectiveness, you go to ROI and you go to paybacks. Um, to me, I mean, building a brand through your communication strategy um, over time is what we're trying to do. And And to me, true marketing effectiveness is creating something with consumers that they have an affinity for something that they, they they have an attachment to, that they say, that's my brand. That's the, the, the brand I want in my house. That's the brand I want my family to choose. And I think Mondelez International has a host of amazing brands that are in, in millions of American homes. And you know what? We wanted Honeymade to be that, too. And I'd say from a marketing effectiveness on Honeymade, it was about do people – connect with this brand and what it's saying? Do they engage with the fact that we're celebrating wholesome family connections? Do they 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 um, like the fact that the products now are made with whole grains, no high fructose corn syrup, um, and, and that that's relevant to them? And do these products taste great and find a, a, a place in their repertoire of snacks? So those are the metrics that we'd be looking at um, from, I'd say, a softer side. And to me, that's, that's true effectiveness, because those are the things um, from a, a connection and a product liking standpoint that are going to stick with you over time, I think, you know, obviously sales matter. And so for us as well, it's looking at your growth of household penetration amongst households with kids. You're looking at, um, we looked at our core HoneyMade business, which was highlighted the most in our campaign. And that business was up high single digits during the first year of the campaign. We look at you know, our engagement scores online and the shareability of our content and those were through the roof. Um, and so those were you know some harder metrics that we looked at that I think are important to look at as a marketer as well. But I, I very much think that well there are the immediate in market sales results, there's the, the measurable results of, of, of views and shares
0: Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite
3: Um, a lot of it has to be about um, the connection. And, and in the, the instance of this campaign, the richness of the engagement and the language and the conversation that the campaign had is something that you dream of getting when you launch a campaign, and we, and we got it.
2: Great. So switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about you. Um and and you've reached a level of success in your career, obviously. And I'm curious, what fuels you?
3: You know, I've been out of I, I joined CPG 15 15 years ago out of out of grad school and and started my career at SC Johnson on Ziploc. Um, and I look back at my career on on things like Ziploc and Pledge. I worked on People Magazine. I I've worked on Dentine on Stride on. Back to Nature, which is a brand we still own, um, Honeymade, um, amazing brands. Belveda Breakfast, which is a new business that I run. For me, the thing that, that really charges me, and I look back over 15 years in, in, in marketing, um, is, is leaving a legacy. To me, it's very important that what I do during my tenure at any brand I touch leaves an impact and a legacy for the brand's future. Um, and and it's it's hugely energizing for me. I, I've had the privilege of working on many brand reinventions, but also on on new products. So I look at brand reinventions. I've done like Denteen, like a piece of the Glade brand, um, like Honey Maid, like Newton's, and then I look at some brand launches that I worked on both actually only six months into launch. I didn't launch them, but but six months in took them over on Stride and I took Stride Gum to its highest share in its history and really created an emotional connection with consumers um, and working on HoneyMade and, and reinventing a 90 year old brand's been amazing. So that legacy impact is truly what, what fuels me.
2: Great, well, are, that's a great list of brands already that you've had an impact on, I'm curious. what. Types of brands are you following outside
3: maybe the the walls of Mondelez? You know, I'm kind of I'm not very traditional in following, I'd say, what's necessarily the biggest brands or the things that people um think are um terrific. Um I think there's a lot to be learned in other categories actually as a marketer. Um and so uh, I'd say Two categories that I I follow um, out of an interest level for the type of creativity that they're putting into the world um, are Stella Artois and uh, Valspar Paints, actually. Stella has been amazing. I mean, I think back to post-college for me 20 years ago now, and it was a big deal to have a Heineken or Anstel Light like at your party. Um, and 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 Stella came onto the stage probably about just five years ago or so, and they've skyrocketed in terms of imports um, in the beer category. And they've not done it in a traditional way. Their focus on design and on heritage in that brand um, goes throughout every touchpoint to consumers. Um, and they've really had fun with it. I mean, taking, you know, it's not a glass, it's a chalice. Then telling you why is the chalice is important? Because it's about how you experience the beer and how it touches your tongue and your palate and the back of your mouth. Um, and it very much, you know, is the way you would typically talk about wine, but they did it in beer. And, and they leveraged the heritage you know they're launching the cider off of that platform of Stella now, and 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 with great success actually launching cider into the U.S. market, and they're a top top brand of import beer now. So I don't know. I just think their their focus on something that is was very category disruptive um, is intriguing to me. Um, and another brand I mentioned was Valspar um, paints, and I think of that as well. I think about um, Sherwin Williams, Benjamin Moore, like what is Valspar? Valspar was the private label paint brand for like Home Depot or Sears. I forget which one. And suddenly they've like come onto the stage in a huge way. And I think they're now the number two paint brand. Um, and, and that's been as well in the last five years or so moving to, from a private label brand to a national brand. And actually I think there's Lowe's that they were the the brand for. And, Mm -hmm. uh, Recently, they launched a really intriguing campaign called Color for All, Um, and you think about paint, and you think about, what do you use paint for? It's functional. I paint my house. I do this. They completely are disrupting the category with a new brand. The, The premise of Color for All is that color is something to be appreciated. It brings beauty into the world, and what would it be like if you were colorblind? And they introduced a series of stories um, that was focused on people with color colorblindness um, and paired them with a, a maker of like, I think they're like $2,500, a pair of glasses that now exist that enable them to see color for the first time in its full beauty. And the stories are like, you'd like want to cry as you watch the stories. But I look at them as well as, wow, that's like super disruptive. It turns on the head what the sort of category norms are in the paint category and how you show up. And they're doing something high on emotion, but backing it up with beautiful colors and wonderful paint that Valspar offers. So to me, both both of those brands are really intriguing for me. And probably the common thread is the disruptive nature um, that they've had within their categories.
2: Those are great examples. Um, let's Move to marketing trends and and what you see um, and advice you might have for marketers. So the first question really is, you know, what do you think is the most important or most important marketing trend or the biggest opportunity today for marketers?
3: The biggest opportunity, and it's a combination of you know reality in, in terms of uh, how we communicate with each other and our access to data and mobile devices online, everything now, and we're all on 24-7, it seems. But with that comes data, and everybody talks big data, big data, big data. I, yeah, big data is important. Big data is only important if you actually know what to do with it. And I think it's super important for marketers to retool themselves. Um, and think about segmentation, particularly within the CPG industry. Um, segmentation in CPG has always been about identifying your core consumer that you're going to go after, um, and and I think segmentation in the digital world is is quite different. Because yes, it's about a core consumer, but we have knowledge like we've never had before in terms of the behavior, what they buy, adjacent categories, time of day, moments, where our brands could fit in, where we don't fit in, where we should fit in. And you think about all that data, that requires segmentation um, in a much deeper way and then a knowledge base to actually execute against it, which requires content creation. So to me, it's not about data from a standpoint of measurement or just targeting. It's about truly actually rethinking how we can use that data to reach more people in a better way, but then that brings with it the opportunity to create more specific content for more groups of people than you've ever done before. Now that comes with a host of issues and problems that I know I'm working through as a marketer, and I think everybody is, but it's an exciting time to be a marketer. I think people have to embrace it and and want to be part of what's truly a transformational time in, in, in marketing. Because so much of of, of of how we market in terms of you know, one-to-many, which everybody always said one-to-one was coming, and we're there. Like, we're really there. Our business models are all built off of one-to-many. Agencies models are built off of one-to-many. And and the one-to-one opportunity is real and and here, and we, we need to figure it out. It's a huge challenge.
2: What would you predict for the future if you looked in your crystal ball? Where do you think marketing is going?
3: I mean, I, I think that um, you know what's always going to stay the same is is the 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 what like what what do you do as a marketer? You know, you create relevant content that that presents your brand to consumers and your product line to consumers who should be or have a reason to use your brand or product like the core fundamentals of what marketing is are always going to be the same but in the future and i think again i think the future is now i mean i think that the the channels and how we reach consumers when we can reach them it's all completely changed um and i think um you know the future is here but the future over the next three to five years is going to require marketers to have a completely different skill set in terms of developing really relevant snippets of content for very different consumers, all of whom may be interested in your product. It's not about just one psychographic and demographic sort of definition anymore. um, And and I think it's going to require different thinking, but yet the fundamentals of it are all the same.
2: Great. I want to circle back to something you said earlier in the conversation and um, just explore it a a little bit more, maybe another uh, minute or so, is this notion that, um, I think the comment you made was something around, if the graham cracker can represent the wholesomeness of family today, then we've achieved something. Um, And you don't see a lot, you actually see probably more CPG brands wrestling with how to maintain relevance outside the grocery aisle. And I'm just curious, you know, how did you get there? And, and, And more importantly, maybe for folks that might listen to this, what would you
3: advise them to do to, to find their relevance? Yeah. I think it's super important to understand the consumer whom you're interested in talking to and what's happening in their lives. What, 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 Happens every day. Who are they surrounded by? What What's the reality that they're living? Um, and that piece of 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 the culture is more important than ever. Um, and and I think product's always important. And there's the right time to do more product specific communication within CPG, no question. Um, but if you truly want to have brands have meaning and be relevant and 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 be long standing. Um, you have to, to give more than just your product to consumers. You, ha- you have to challenge yourself to figure out why does the consumer care? Why do they buy you? And it's not just about whether you taste great, whether you clean laundry better, whether you f- fragrance the air better than someone else anymore. Um, it, it's about having a connection. Consumers um, engage with brands in a completely, completely different way than they did before, and they they have favorite brands in a different way than they did before, and they talk about them differently. So if you can't engage with them and connect with your consumer, um, you know, it, you're not really building the brand. You're building a product, um, and I think that's you know the encouragement. When I said a graham cracker can do it, I, I think uh, people need to be brave to challenge their thinking and say, "How and why does anybody care about me as a brand?" You, and, and it's all—it's like we all know this as marketers. It's like think of think of your brand like a person. I mean, you pick your friends, like you pick your brands. Who who are you picking? to be in your cupboard, and why are you doing that? And I just think that that's really important. And, and, and specifically, like, you know, in terms of representing, you know, the multicultural uh, landscape, consumer landscape of America today, that that's here. Like, that's, you look at the census data, and it's reality. Um, and, and it's time that we all do a better job, I feel strongly as a marketer, of, in relevant ways, representing what is the reality of the American consumer today
2: couldn't agree more with you Um,
3: so well I want to thank you Gary for
2: joining me and and I really appreciate the time and the the advice that you've given you're
3: quite welcome thank you for the time